1: Hi, everybody. It's Ron Geyer with End Time Insights again. I appreciate you tuning in and listening to our show, and hopefully you're getting some good information out of this, and we're helping you, and we're opening up the Bible and trying to give you some information that you may not be getting at your local church on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Tuesday night. So thanks again. Today we're going to talk about the Christian in government. We are going to be hitting on this theme several times throughout the year because today this is a 2020 in America, America 2020, And it's a general national election year. That means we're going to be choosing president, senators, congressmen. There will be appointing judges. It's very important we elect the right people. President Trump will be talking about the election for our local uh, races. We've got, for instance, Senator Cornyn. He's got three opponents and he'll be in a primary. And the primary starts in five weeks, four weeks, four weeks. So you want to be informed. You want to be prayed up. You want to make sure that you're looking into the candidates, what they're saying. And don't forget, it's not so much what a candidate is saying. If they are an incumbent, you want to see how they're voting. That tells you. Never mind what they say. I used to be a member of the Republican Party, but I I dropped that. I dropped the support. I removed myself as a election judge because I was just tired of them telling me something and me voting for them, them going to Washington, and then they weren't following through on their promises. I had enough of that. Now I'm an independent voter and I'm excited about the elections coming up. It's 2020. It's always a significant year. I want to talk to you today about the Christian in government. We'll talk more in the coming weeks about individual voting and how to vote. But I want to give you a general scenario about our responsibility as men and women of God in the civil arena. And the quote, I love this quote. It's my favorite quote from all of our founders. This is from John Quincy Adams. I've said it before. He was our sixth president. He says, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Don't let anybody tell you America is not a Christian nation. We are not a Christian nation based on our current behaviors in 2020, 1950, 1980, 1990. That's not what makes us a Christian nation. What makes us a Christian nation was our biblical foundation. For instance, if I can use the example of a car, let's say I've got a 1956 Chevy and I, I paint it. I paint it Pontiac blue. I put in there maybe Cadillac rims on the wheels it is still a Chevrolet, even though certain things have happened to it. And it's the same way with America. We are still a Christian nation. We've been under assault. We've passed a lot of laws that violate the Word of God. We've done terrible things. We're, we're full of depravity within our nation. But the church still resides in strength and power in America. And we do retain that Christian likeliness through the men and women of God who are truly reading their Bibles, truly speaking the truth into the midst of this darkness, truly serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We're Christians because we were born again. We've accepted what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let me give you a couple of scriptures to support Jesus wanting to encourage us to be involved in the civil arena. Matthew 22, 21, it talks about Pharisees and the religious people. They were trying to trick Jesus and they said unto him, what about you're going to pay your taxes? What are you going to do about that? And Jesus answered them. Remember he sent Peter out there to go ahead and find a fish and get some tax money. And he said, he replied to them in Matthew 22, verse 21, then saith he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and render unto God the things which are God's, which are God's belonging to God. And he didn't say it was either or. He said, you give unto government, Caesar was representative of government, you give unto government the things they require, the things that they demand them of you, the things that are lawful, and you give unto God the things that he requires of you. And both of them, it's not one, but just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't engage in the civil arena. If anything, Jesus is saying, you still honor your government, you do what you require required to do. It's not either, but it is both. The point is fairly clear. Your Christianity does not remove you from your civic responsibility. And actually, it does not only remove you, but it's a command to get involved from Jesus Christ. You have to be responsible by serving your government, serving in your government. We obey God and we render to him what he requires. We serve government and render to it what it requires. 1 Corinthians four two talks about the role of the steward. Moreover, it required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We need to be faithful in these assignments. We are so blessed. We are so privileged to live in this nation we call America. It is a shining light. It is the home of gospel light. We support missionaries throughout the world. We're in such trouble now. Missionaries are sending people back to America to try to evangelize us again. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful concerning America, what is required is that we defend our liberties, which did not come from the government. These liberties, they came from God himself. I love President Trump. In America, we don't serve government. We don't worship government. We serve God. We worship God. I love that. That is so true. And we'll find this written right in our Declaration of Independence, the fact that our liberties and our freedoms, they come from Jehovah. They come from the Creator. We hold these truths, this is the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with inherent and inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You've all heard that before. Don't think for a minute you got these from government, you got these from God, and it says it right there, that we are endowed by our creator. And we are just so black. What other nation could you say that? in? what other nation puts that in their forefront of their governing documents? And just one point off the little track, when you read the Constitution, you need to read the Bill of Rights. You need to read the Declaration of Independence with it. They all go together. Uh, one just continues to open up the other one to explain the other, whereas the Constitution may be the what in our government, the Declaration of Independence is the why. Okay, Luke twelve forty eight. But the servant who does not know what his master wants and does things that should be punished for will be beaten with a few blows lightly. That means if you don't understand, if you do something out of ignorance that is wrong in regards to God, your punishment will not be as great for the servant that does know. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded or required. And from the one who... Trusted with much, much more will be expected. We are going to be held to a higher standard than perhaps the brother or sister in Angola. We are going to be held to a higher standard than the brother or sister in South China. We have a blessed opportunity being here in America. With that opportunity goes responsibility. We can't turn our back on the callings of God because we're uncomfortable. We can't opt out of the things that he wants us to do because we may get persecuted. We can't plead ignorance. It's there's people in this day and age where knowledge is everywhere. You've got the internet. You've got people out there who love God, David Barton, Wall Builders Ministry, Rick Green, Doctor Jeffers, John Hagee. You've got a bunch of people out there, Ed Young locally, you've got a bunch of people out there willingly to help you when it comes to voting, when it comes to choosing godly leaders, and you must take advantage of that. In our marriage course, we always teach that the husband is required to guide, to guard, and to govern the home. It's no different in America. The church is required to guide and to guard and to govern our nation. The church is the one that has jurisdiction. We're going to go into that in a minute over what's going on in Washington, D.C. If anyone should have a voice in America, whether it's the discussion about our laws or morality of our nation Whether it's in the voting booth where we elect our representative leaders or the workplace or the schools, if anybody should have a voice in America, the church should have a voice that rings loud and true. We've gotten quiet. We've gotten pushed in the corner through political correctness. We've gotten a little bit intimidated by the fear of man rather than the fear of God because we're carnal. That needs to change. It has to change. We represent God. We know the church. We know what's best for America. Also, we have jurisdiction spiritual jurisdiction over the land. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, this is Jesus. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus is talking to the church. He's giving us authority in the realm of the spirit. He's saying, hey, this is your jurisdiction. We take that jurisdiction for our nation. There's demon forces. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where Our jurisdiction needs to be evident. You want to see the power of God manifested in America? You go where the demons are. You go where there's trouble. Let me read you the Phillips translation. I love Phillips, he's really good. Yes, returned Jesus. I was watching and I saw Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. It is true that I have given you the power to tread on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the enemy's powers. There is nothing at all that can do you any harm. Yet It is not your power over evil spirits which should give you such great joy, but the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they're written in heaven. But I want to focus on that. It is not your power over evil spirits. We have power over evil spirits. Washington is inundated. Pelosi, Schumer, Schiff, they are not our enemies. They are people that are being ruled by contrary spirits. They are being ruled by demon forces. They are being ruled by the enemy. Notice Jesus says we have power over the enemy. We have power over evil spirits. Our nation, specifically our capital city, Washington, D.C., is currently being ruled by such evil spirits of greed, pedophilia, deception, corruption, depravity on every level. These are spirits. Sorry, President Trump was not sent to Washington to drain the swamp. He was sent to Washington to reveal the swamp, which he's done the church has jurisdiction. It is our responsibility. If there's going to be any draining in the swamp, it's going to come in the realm of the spirit. And the only entity on the planet equipped to have exercised spiritual authority over these demon beings, over these, over this wickedness in high places, is today's church. And in America, that means you and that means me. We never talk about stuff like that. We're just letting all these issues become political issues, and we're not taking background on abortion, on homosexuality, on gay marriage, on divorce, on alcoholism. We call alcoholism a disease. It's not a disease. It's a lifestyle choice that dishonors God. We have to take back the truth about a lot of these issues. We have power over these demons. We have authority, and it's within the realm of our jurisdiction to do something about this. And this is so important in 2020 America. Like I told you, we have an election coming which has far-reaching effects down the road. Remember, if we had elected Hillary Clinton, you know, the Bible may have been outlawed. Uh, we might not have the freedom of speech that we have in our churches on this radio show. There would be all sorts of persecution coming upon the church. The People who hate God, there's people who are promoting the globalist spirit, the people who are promoting socialism, the Antichrist spirit that's ruling them, he would have made greater inroads than he's made. Thank God for President Trump and the church that's standing up against them and stopping and saying, No, devil, you may not in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says the devil goes about the earth as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I got news for you, devil. You may not devour me. You may not devour my family. You may not devour my business. You may not devour. The city of Houston, you may not devour my church. You may not devour this nation. We need people to stand up and pray and confess the word of God, stand in that gap, hold their hands up and say, no, you may not, devil. But the church is unlearned in this stuff. We don't know how to pray spiritually. We don't know how to use our spiritual authority. We have no idea what jurisdiction we have, where we have it, and what we're supposed to do with it. It is so important that we teach our people the truth about this. Ephesians 6.12, just Confirmation. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where we have authority. And Jesus said in Luke, Behold, I give you power over all of the power of the enemy. Let me read you something. I don't know if you're familiar with Charles Finney. Charles Finney was around in the early 1800s at the turn of the century. And he was the leader of the Second Great Awakening that took place in America. And I love reading about him because he wrote this probably, what is today, 20, 20, 19, 20 18, 20, maybe nearly 200 years ago. The church must take right ground in regard to politics, he says. The time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter. But the time has come when we must act differently. He continues, God cannot sustain this free and blessed country, which we love and pray for, unless the church will take right ground. Politics are a part of a religion in such a country as this, and Christians must do their duty. He considers being involved in the civic arena as dutiful. They must do their duty to the country as a part of their duty to God. You see that? Me serving my nation exerting my Christian influence, my righteous thoughts and views and opinions as part on the government is part of my duty and service to God. It seems sometimes as if the foundations of the nation were becoming rotten and Christians seem to act as if they thought God did not see what we do in politics. But I tell you, says Finney, he does see it and he, God, will bless or curse this nation according to the course that the Christians take in politics. Well, if I were to look at America today and I was to look at the course our nation has taken, I would say it's fairly evident that the Christian has not been involved, that we shied away, that we've not received, taken the responsibility that God has given us, the duty, the privilege to defend America. We have got to change the way we think. We've got to get the back in the pulpit. And yes, Grace is great. Yes, salvation, most definitely. Yes, you got to preach Jesus Christ. But within the context of all of that, you have got to apply it to our daily living in America 2020. There are so many issues that are up in the air that the church has the solutions for. We've got the answer. I know the truth. But our people are in bondage. Jesus said, you're going to know the truth. And that truth is going to set you free. And yet we refuse to tell them the truth about homosexuality. I hate the fact that we're losing people to hell because the church is scared to confront the issue of homosexuality. There's nothing wrong with telling people the truth. The truth is it's the highest form of love. You may get persecuted. You may get slain, but that's okay. The Bible says greater love has no man than this. Then he lay down his life for his brother. If it cost me my life, if it cost me my popularity, if it cost me my job telling you the truth, if I do it in love, God's on the scene and your deliverance has an opportunity to manifest. But if we never tell you anything, if we accept you and we tolerate the sin that so easily besets us. We haven't done you any good. That's not love. And the Bible says, if you don't love your fellow man, then you don't love God. That's the evidence of our love. I wanted to also read to you something else. When people were talking about voting, when, see, who's this? This is 1803. The Reverend Matthias Burnett was admonishing the congregation. He was talking to his charges and he wrote this. Look well to the characters and the qualifications of those you elect and raised to office in places of trust. Think not that your interest will be safe in the hands of weak and the ignorant or faithfully managed by the impious, the dissolute, or the immoral. Think not that men who acknowledge not the providence of God nor regard his laws will be uncorrupted in office, firm in the defense of righteous causes against their pressure, or resolutely oppose iniquity. Watch over your liberties and your privileges, civil and religious liberties, with careful eyes and eyes. The Bible is full of warnings where Peter and Jesus and Paul, they tell us to watch, to be careful. They tell us that we have got to be on guard. God's got some great voices. I remember in World War II, Winston Churchill was trying to warn the people about defending liberty, and this is a quote that he gave us that lives on in infamy. It is a famous quote. It is a powerful quote, Un. Fortunately, America is living just about this three sentences. We're living in the third sentence. Sentence one, if you will not fight for right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory is sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all of the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may even be a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because it is better to perish than to live as slaves. As we watch our nation fall from grace, as we allow the destruction of America from the inside out, what will it take for the church to rise up and exercise its authority? We in the church have allowed the lies and deception of the enemy to destroy so many of us. We have put up with false teachers and heretical doctrines. We have compromised the gospel. We have feared man and challenged God's word rather than challenge man and fear God's word. And this morally bankrupt nation is now on the brink of destruction. We are out of order in America. And by out of order, we can trace it back to angels. You know, the people who founded our nation, they were Christians. They were anointed by God to do this. Dr. Benjamin Rush, probably one of the three or four greatest founding fathers of America. He is credited with tremendous medical schools, medical colleges. He was also considered the father of public education in America. And he wrote this, because we don't know this. We have it backwards, even in the church. This is what he wrote about public education in America. The purpose of public education is threefold. Number one, to teach our children to love and to serve God. Number two, to teach our children to love and to serve their country. Number three, to teach our children to love and to serve their families. Now, today's modern Christian or modern American would say, well, no, no, he's, he's got number two and three backwards that it would be to teach our children to love and serve God, teach our children to love and serve our families, teach our children to love and serve their country. No, he specifically wrote God, country, family, because he knew, he knew, and he prophesied this, and he hit the nail on the head. If we ever lose our country, government will become the enemy of our families. (laughs) You think? Look at it. We have lost our country, and who is the greatest enemy facing America today? Is it Russia? Is it China? No. Is it the globalist outside our nation? No. The greatest enemy facing America's family today, it's the government. It's our own government. And look at this. He knew, Benjamin Rush knew, if we ever lost control of our country, the government would be our greatest enemy of the family. And he was proven right. Look, today's government demands that we kill our children. It says that we, and that's right. It said, today's government demands we kill our children, we sexually abuse our children. We distort the biological makeup of the family through gay marriage. We train them in the acceptance of perverted sexual acts, pornography on just about every channel on the television. I mean, there's nothing that our government has licensed or promoted or made legal that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus in the Bible told us, watch Paul told us to watch. Peter told us to watch. The theme of the church, watching, is a thread throughout the New Testament. The watching wasn't meant just to notice something, not that kind of watching. There are different assignments to our watching. Sometimes we are to watch for something which demonstrates evil intent. Other times we are to watch with a spiritual wakefulness. And yet other times we ought to be watching with a moral alertness. Watching is a spiritual assignment. First Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. We're coming up to the election, and we have one in four weeks here, and I just want to give you a scripture right out of Exodus about how you're supposed to be making your voting choices. It's Exodus verse 18, chapter 18, verse 21, and it tells us what kind of leaders we're supposed to be electing. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, men who hate covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds. And this is when you had Moses dividing the authority to help judge the people of Israel. So we are supposed to pick people just like God told Moses what type of people he wanted. He's telling us today, nothing has changed. These are the people that God wants running our government. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people, able men, such as fear God Men of truth, hating covetousness. There's four requirements. When you're going through your candidate search, when you are checking out the people that are running, that want your vote, that want to represent you, you need to check those four items off on your checklist. You need to find out concerning their voting records. If they're not an incumbent, they don't have a voting record. But listen to what they say. For me, I've got one issue that's a deal-breaker. If you are for abortion, you will never get my vote. That's just my starting point. When we get further into the year closer toward the, the large, real general election, we're going to give you some insight. We'll talk about particular candidates, specific issues, and we will let you know biblically how God wants you to address these issues. Before I go, I want to let you know that we started our Patriots for Christ class last night, and it's great. You're still welcome. We are talking about this. It meets once a month, the third Sunday of every month at West Houston Christian Center. You can go to www. WestHoustonChristian.com and register. The class is free. Click on events and just sign your email address, your phone number, and your name. We look forward to meeting you. We normally have got some munchies there. But like this last week, we talked about primary, the biggest issue facing our government, our nation right now, politically speaking, is what? It's impeachment. We're going to see what the Constitution has to say about impeachment. We're going to listen to constitutional experts. Rick Green, we're going to have... Oh, geez, what is her name? I just forgot her name. She travels around the country. She's great. Oh, well, I slipped my mind. She's wonderful. I'll get you her name. And I just want to let you know you are more than welcome. You need to rise up and do something. We need to defend our nation. The church is a huge voting block, but we're not voting in harmony. We're not voting in unity. God has caused us to walk in unity. How good it is for the brethren to be in unity. We get a special blessing of life forevermore upon us. We need that blessing for America. I'm Ron Geyer. These are End Time Insights. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron.